The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Potential friction in the coalition has arisen in the form of a Fine Gael call for a thousand euro tax cut in the budget, which has been branded by some in Fianna Foyle as pre-budget kite flying. It was suggested in an article authored by three Fine Gael junior ministers. Amid projections of record budget surpluses over the next four years, they are proposing considerably larger tax cuts. Fianna Foyle Finance Minister Michael McGrath is non-committal and I will bring forward the summer economic statement uh, in July that will lay out the budgetary parameters and then as we move towards the budget in the autumn we will assess what the position is in relation to inflation Mm. uh, what way incomes have moved and what additional support may need to be provided Mm. Well, I'm joined now by one of the authors of that article, Minister of State for Financial Services, Credit Unions and Insurance Fine Gael TD for Dunleary, Jennifer Carol McNeil Good morning, Jennifer Good morning you have been accused by Fianna Fáil of jumping the gun on tax promises in advance of the budget. Well, tax is set out in the programme for government and is a pretty consistent position of Fine Gael. I think at the moment, you know, we're in a really strong position where we're looking at potential surpluses into the future and reflecting on how best to use that. And we published a, a piece, myself and my colleagues, Martin Hayden and Peter Burke, reflecting on where Ireland is economically um, the fact that we have those surpluses and how we're going to invest them and, you know, how to, the best structure in relation to that. And the Department of Finance is having a consultation period in relation to that. But we've also sort of set out very clearly the Fine Gael view in relation to the need for further tax cuts uh, building on last year's budget. And that's completely consistent with the programme for government. That's what Fine Gael went into this government uh, and negotiation process talking about and have consistently talked about Leo mm. Radker and, and all of my party colleagues. So it's uh, that, that that's that we are at a really strong position economically, uh, one that I don't think we ever thought we'd be yeah. at 10 years ago when the IMF yeah. were and here. And all of that is, is fair enough and the surpluses will be uh, pretty enormous, it would appear, if they continue into the medium-term so. future. However, it's been one of the mantras of Pascal Donoghue particularly to say that you don't incur ongoing expenses out of income that may be temporary. And that is why in the budget last year you saw a series of measures that were both social welfare increases, tax cuts and once-off measures such as the cost of living supports, the, the direct transfers that were once-off like child benefit being doubled or um, the pension being doubled. And there was a mix there. And it's very clear that we have the opportunity now to take uh, address some of our, our national our national debt, to put aside money in a fund uh, the, the the terms of which have yet to be decided, but I think it's important that we think about that and how we might get an annual return from such a fund and also make a difference to the cost of living pressures that people are having. And the single best way of doing that for working people is through tax changes. We have the most progressive, i.e. you get to the higher rate of tax really, really soon in Ireland relative to other European countries. And we've always taken the view that that's, that has persistently yeah. but, been but too high. If you, if you want to, to stick with the promises, Jennifer, of programmes for government and election campaigns, you would have abolished the USC. That was one of your promises. The, uh, the the tax changes need to come down and whether that's USC, whether that's widening the bands, whether that's rate reductions, what I'm concerned about is people having more money in their pocket and there's lots of different ways of achieving that. The USC has a benefit in the sense that everybody pays it, albeit at, you know, at very low rates for people at, at uh, on very low incomes. Um, but there's a real pressure 
comparatively about how quickly people get to the top rate of tax. And that is something that Leo Varadkar has said consistently he would like to try to address. That was very clear in the programme for government. We began that process last year in the budget. We've consistently said both at the last budget and since then that we want to continue that process. And, you know, there's a lot of focus here on tax. And I understand that because it's very, very important to people. But the Fine Gael position more broadly in the article that myself and my colleagues wrote was a reflection piece on what now to, to do at a moment of very strong economic, uh, a very strong economic moment where you have 3.9% unemployment and you have projected budget surpluses of potentially 65 billion over the next three years. These were unheard of concepts 10 years ago with, with 16% unemployment and the IMF here. And I think it's important that every political party, that everyone has an opportunity to reflect on how best to, to think about that over in the years to come. I mean, this is a really positive moment, Pat, to, to be yeah, in that situation. Uh, indeed. And it has been is, you are that. in government with two uh, partners, the Green Party and Fianna Fáil, and they are miffed because this looks like a populist move on your part. Uh, if there is to be a tax credit, an income tax credit that will put a thousand euro more into people's pockets at a cost, by the way, of 1.5 billion, I read in one of this morning's uh, papers, um, Fianna Gael wants to get the credit. So last even years, though even though the Minister for Finance is from Fianna Foyle, Michael McGrath, who who by the way is quite a circumspect man and he, he just said this is a very unusual way. Last year's budget, well, sorry, last year's budget package on the tax side was 1.2 billion. So it's building on that again, as as we set out in the program for government, as is agreed in the program for government in relation to the tax approach. And each party comes to government formation with their own key objectives. Fine Gael has a very strong focus on reducing income tax for workers. The Green Party a very strong focus in relation to carbon tax and other things. And everybody is entitled to set out their views. And you know, their political parties can do that in different ways. Whether they do that in parliamentary party meetings and they end up getting leaked in inaccurate ways and you know I see that from parliamentary party meetings across the board there's you know myself and my colleagues have a view about the future of Ireland a vision for Ireland and you know we're entitled to set that out in in different ways and in you know constructive ways uh, like that and and setting out at this important economic moment our reflections in Fine Gael about the the vision for the country and that is long-term prudent management of the public finances as we have done to date which is you know what has gotten Mm. us here uh, and and making sure that work really pays and that people are getting more money back. Uh, and I think so. You deny ways of doing that. you deny that it's pure populism. Well, I think if you read the article, it talks about putting an awful lot of money away for the future. And it talks about how best to get a return for people on an annual basis, if possible, how to deal with our national debt. Dealing with the national debt is not exactly top class populism, Pat, it really isn't. But making sure that we have a balanced approach to the budget, including money getting back into people's pockets through tax changes, working people who are working really hard and paying more tax in Ireland than anywhere else across Europe on on, on, on a comparative basis. I think that's a pretty reasonable approach to the world. Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Jennifer McNeil, who's Minister of State for Financial Services, Credit Unions and Insurance and Fine Gael DD for Dunleary. Hugh O'Connell, Deputy Political Editor with the Irish Independent. Hugh, good morning. Morning, Pat. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, it's very early for kite flying. It certainly is, yeah. I mean, it seems every year it gets earlier and earlier and, and this is very much Fine Gael setting out their position on tax uh, at a very early stage, nearly five months out from the budget. Um, and it has caused a lot of disquiet in Fianna Fáil, I think, for a couple of reasons. 
uh, primarily because they they just think it's way too early. And they were caught on the hop by this. They were, uh, you know, no one at, at a senior level within Fianna Fáil or at a junior level, for that matter, was aware that this opinion piece uh, from the three ministers of state, in, including your previous guest, uh, was going in the Irish Independent on Monday. Um, and uh, despite the fact that the Taoiseach uh, kind of tacitly endorsed uh, the piece, I was aware it was it was going into the paper. Um, and then I suppose as well, the, the issue really is that, that, that Fine Gael on tax is something that they've sort of, you know, you referenced it there in your interview, you know, they, they often talk about doing things on tax that they don't end up doing. USC, the abolition of is, is the big one, obviously. Um, and then I think Fianna Fáil is concerned that Fine Gael will try and claim all of the credit for what would be, you know, let's admit it, a, a popular uh, measure to reduce taxes by his, uh, by more than a thousand euro a year for the for the average worker. That would be a measure that I think would go down very well with voters. Uh, and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are, are competing for the same type of voter, that sort of squeezed middle voter uh, that perhaps isn't mm. isn't minded to vote Sinn Fein, but is is still pretty annoyed with the government for lots of reasons, but might be. Uh, might be tempted to to vote for them yeah. uh, in the next election. So, so the, the, we, all but of this is contributing to the, this this blowback from the, this from malaise uh, that that's there between the parties. But um, the, the budget's in October. The election yeah. well beyond that. If everything goes uh, its full course, so eaten bread soon forgotten is my experience of budgets over the years. As you know, the public gets some sort of a a present from the political parties. It's taken stuffed in our pockets. And we move on. We don't say, yeah. oh, wasn't that great that this party or that party or the other party got us this? I mean, there are some exceptions, maybe. Um, I'm going back to the late Neve Brannock and free education, third level education. Those kind of things might stick in the memory. But look where the Labour Party is today. Yeah, good point. Uh, I, I mean, I think, you know, this, you're right, the election, the general election, at least, is a good bit off. But I suppose, you know, the ministers are thinking about the local elections next year. Could there be measures announced in the budget that wouldn't come into effect maybe until April or May of next year to be kind of timed alongside the, the local elections? I think that's something to watch out for in the budget in October. But I mean, any tax changes you'd think would take effect from the beginning of next year. So really, you're right that, that those kind of measures would, would be quickly forgotten. And indeed, a lot, you know, a lot of the tax changes in recent years, one, one might argue, particularly in the last three years to 18 months, have been gobbled up by inflation. Um, so even if people are getting more uh, money into their uh, bi-weekly or monthly paycheck, um, it, it's being eaten up by higher grocery bills, higher uh, electricity bills, and so on and so forth. So, um, but but I think, you know, ideally what this government would like to do was have two very strong giveaway budgets where they're putting a lot of money into punters' pockets with the hope of, of yes, effectively trying to buy re-election next time out. But, you know, I think as we, we hear frequently, it's really, you know, it's less about um, tax cuts and more about services and access to services, access to healthcare and housing is obviously a major issue still for the government. I mean, a lot of those squeezed yeah. middle voters that the, that the two big parties are targeting, a lot of them are workers in good jobs, well-paid jobs, but they have no prospect of getting on the housing ladder. And that's the big challenge for this government, more so than cutting taxes. Yeah. And, and, and the one of the problems, a texter, for example, Tony says, uh, the government has the ability and the money to solve the housing crisis, but chooses not to do so, which ensures that rents, house prices, homelessness will never fall. Vulture funds will be delighted at government policy, says uh, Tony. The problem is, it seems that house builders are going gangbusters, um, you know, every building worker in the country has a job. So, I don't know, you can have all the money in the world, but if the product's not available to buy, i.e. construction workers, what to do? 
Yeah, I, this is that's a very good point, Pat. I mean, you know, this, this is um, this is a country right now which feels like it's awash with money, particularly when you you uh, listen to the government go on about surpluses, projected surplus of ten billion this year, sixteen billion next year, over the next four years, sixty five billion euro in projected budget surpluses. But what good are they if we, you know, if we can't get access to to, to healthcare, if we can't get an appointment uh, for for a, a for a health service? Uh, measure, uh, if we can't get a GP's appointment, if we can't get a house, if we can't get on the housing ladder, if we can't get enough construction workers into the country to build the houses. Like, that's the real problem, I think, at the moment. There's all these sort of infrastructural deficits within the country which are, uh, you know, really causing uh, voters a lot of distress um, and a lot of problems and are making them less minded to vote for this government's re-election. I mean, never, never has the country been as rich. But in terms of services and infrastructure, on, on at certain levels, the country is very poor. How difficult is it, do you think, running things in a coalition government? I mean, you have the Greens with their own agenda, alienating perhaps voters uh, from uh, rural Ireland who would normally vote Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, and then the Green Party with their policies, whether they're you know perceived properly or otherwise, but the old expression, when you're explaining, you're losing, and that's one of the problems that they have. Oh, no, we're not anti-farmer, but if farmers perceive it to be so, uh, then it, it might be reflected in the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael uh, ballot boxes. Um, and you've got all of these uh, policies that maybe run kind of counter to each other, and you can't solve the intricacy of all the problems unless everyone sings from the same hymn sheet, which is clearly not happening. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say that this government generally has been quite a cohesive unit and, and certainly at a senior level works pretty well. Uh, the three leader coalition leaders, uh, Leo Radker, Micheál Martin and Eamon Ryan, they, they get on pretty well and there's good relationships there amongst their backroom team. But obviously, as you go lower down the ranks, you, you have a, a degree of friction. And, you know, look, we, we've, we've covered these stories a lot over the last three years, friction on things like, um, you know, you mentioned the Greens, like things like uh, changes in agricultural practices, uh, the targets being set for the uh, for the agricultural sector in terms of re- reduction of, cli- of carbon emissions. Uh, roads are a very contentious issue. You have Fine Gael TD sounding off about Eamon Ryan not funding various road projects in their constituencies. But I, what I will say about the latest row, I think, is is the level of um, the, degree, the degree of anger within Fianna Fáil is, is quite stark from what I've detected over the last couple of days, and particularly the comments of Lisa Chambers in my own paper today calling this measure you know, on the record as populist and not costed and Fine Gael playing to the base. I mean, these are really strident comments, and I think really are you know five months out from a budget aren't aren't don't bode well, um you know for for the negotiations that lie ahead. I mean, look at at the end of the day, there's a lot of money available to the government to do a lot of things that it might want to do. So I don't anticipate that the government would, you know, fall over anything like this. But I, like I do think what it what it says to us is that relations, whilst that on the face of it and, and at a senior level they're pretty good, the deeper you bore down into it, um, the more difficulties uh, arise, and the, the more of this we're likely to see, I think, in the run-up to the next election, because each of the three coalition parties will want to distinguish, uh, will want to sort of, um, you know, split off from the other and and uh, distinguish themselves from from each other, so that they can go to the electorate and say, "You can vote for us as a party," uh, rather than than voting for the other uh, any other elements within the coalition. Hugh O'Connell, deputy political editor with the Irish Independent, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.